The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thanks for joining me today. Uh, I've started a series this uh, month of uh, with CEOs to look at some of the challenges and talk about a view from the top. Um, one of the reasons why I've been focusing on uh, CEOs is I've also done a series around women in leadership. And as you know, the glass ceiling and the original concept around the glass ceiling was over 30 years ago that we talked about uh, putting in place practices that would make equality in the workplace, and particularly around women and women in leadership positions. However, after 30 years, we still are woefully inadequate in this area. So it made me think, not only are we inadequate in this area, but we're inadequate around a lot of people who are different and uh, we have not really created an inclusive environment. Now, I know because I was uh, in corporate America for many, many years, and I know that there are many programs that are in place to help women and others move up the food chain, so to speak, into executive positions, but it still hasn't happened. And you have to scratch your head. Why is pay inequity still in existence? A job is a job, whether a woman does it a male does it, uh, an African-American does it, it's the same job. And how they do it is, 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 is the point of reference. And also, why is it that we put in place a lot of uh, opportunities for women to share jobs, others to share jobs, work family leave, etc.? So the tools are there for organizations and corporations and leaders to move up into more senior positions. But still we find that there are not as many women and minorities and others uh, at the top of the house. So this boils down to one main question, I think. And I've done a lot of research on this point. Bias. So you can put any process in place. You can put any program in place. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to drive change. The difference is going to be is if we can really understand our bias, and what is driving us to not be inclusive and to not uh, allow opportunities for other people to move ahead and to pull other people ahead. I think Sheryl Sandberg did a great job in her book, Leaning In, to really help people understand that, yes, 
women are treated differently in the workplace. However, I think that this new era is a great opportunity for us to think differently and for us to change. So I wanted to talk to a number of CEOs. And uh, last week we had on uh, someone from uh, the Arab, United Arab Emirates um, a very interesting, fascinating discussion. This gentleman, uh, Sahel Ben-Tarif, who is the CEO of uh, Tanfeeth, a very large outsourcing company in the GCC, and he has over 49 nationalities represented in his organization. And he's been able to create uh, a really great sustainable model, high morale, high retention, but that's because he did a lot of work up front around engagement. So my guest this week, and I'm so excited to have Margaret Keene. I've known Margaret for a, a long time, and in my mind, she's been an exemplar leader, a person that I personally wanted to follow and a person that many other people wanted to follow. And I've often used Margaret as an example. When people say to me, well, if I promote my best people, how will I fill jobs? You know, I, I, I won't be able to get other people in. Margaret is a net promoter of people. Always has been. And as a result, people line up behind Margaret to come work in her organization because she does a couple of very unique things. She finds out what, her, what a person's personal aspiration is and she works with them to help them achieve their career and 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 life goals and then she helps them move on to their next best role in fact she did that with me and i'm exceedingly grateful margaret is now the ceo of synchrony financial it is the largest consumer finance company uh, of, of private label credit cards in the U.S. It's business partners like Walmart, and isn't it nice that Walmart is starting to think about its people at this point? Gap, Lowe's, Ashley Furniture, and a number of others. Um, its roots are traced back to the 1930s when they began providing financing for consumer consumers to purchase GE appliances. Synchrony Financial was uh, conducted an IPO in July 2014. Margaret was named the CEO um, and in preparation uh, for separating from GE to become a standalone company. Synchrony Financial provides a full range of credit products and programs. In fact, I was just at a friend of mine's house who has another major business and up on his computer flashed Synchrony Financial and I said, why, why, why did you pick Synchrony out of all of these organizations? He said, because they have the best customer service. And also, they have a 1% uh, 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 interest rate that, that they pay. So I'm just delighted to have Margaret. She's the CEO of this company. She has 300,000 locations across the United States and Canada, uh, providing credit cards and is FDIC-insured CDs and savings. Margaret went to Columbia. She got her MBA there. She started out in Citigroup, climbed the corporate ladder there, and then joined GE to really re rejigger her career for a bunch of reasons that I think she'll talk about. So, Margaret, thanks so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Linda. Good talking to, to you. Um, tell me, Margaret, what you know, you went through this IPO that that had to be an extremely interesting experience. Um, I know that. Uh, what was it like for you? What were some of the challenges that you faced as a as a CEO getting through all of this as well as you did? 
Well, there were, there were a number. I, I'd say the first was just really understanding how the IPO was going to work and the expectations of my role and my CFO role, CFO's role in the IPO process. You know, I would say when the decision was made, um, there was just, there's just an enormous, I mean, it's hard to even describe the enormous amount of work that goes into just filing the IPO. So, we spent months and months and months in conference rooms uh, going through every single aspect of the business to get our filing ready. And then once the filing um, gets done and you're, you're out on the roadshow, I'd say, I'd say, you know, for me, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of excitement going through that process. I, I'd also say it's exhausting. I mean, you have to really be on your game. Uh, you really have to understand your business. Um, you have to have a tremendous amount of confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to articulate what your business is about, how it works, what the vision is for the future. You know, the other piece was as we're, as we were getting ready for the IPO, you know, there's all these infrastructure elements you have to put in place, you know, probably the biggest really being a, a board. Uh, so going through, uh, which is, which is an interesting process of selecting your board members and sitting on the other side of the table of, People that probably, you know, a year earlier I would probably be working for, I'm now asking them to be on my board. Uh, and that process has continued into this year. So, you know, you get to meet an enormous amount of very interesting people. But like any management team, you want a board that is really going to bring great skill sets to the board uh, that are really going to help make your company stronger. And really that building that camaraderie with a board where, you know, they're engaging in the business strategy, you know, maybe some of the challenges the business is, is facing, and being able to, to, to create a level of, 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 you know, confidence with that board in terms of asking their opinions and their advice. And, you know, even for me being a new public CEO, having people around me that have done it before has been, uh, you know, extraordinarily helpful as you're going through that process. I mean, obviously you get a lot of training as you come up the corporate world, but it's very different when you're now at the helm and leading the organization and just the expectation of the CEO in terms of what employees are looking at, what investors are looking at, is just extraordinarily different. So, you know, going through that whole process, I think for me was just a tremendous learning experience. And you know, to be frank, I'm still learning. Yeah. And, and you know, Margaret, what, what did you have to personally worry about? What was your biggest leadership challenge uh, as, as this was going on? So I think there were a couple, really. Probably the, the biggest was, you know, obviously we were separating out of GE. And, yeah. you know, as you know, Linda, you worked at GE. It has just an incredible culture. And people who come here work here for their whole lives. So many of my uh, leadership team and folks in the organization have only worked at GE and really don't know anything else. So, you know, creating an atmosphere for the employees to really feel good and excited about this separation was very, very important. The second was I had to just build out my team. You know, one of the things that I had to do is really change what I was working on in terms of what I focus on on a day-to-day basis. So ensuring we had the right organization and leadership um, in place to really lead the day-to-day of the business, if you will, while I'm really kind of steering this, this, this big ship now, but now with a whole different set of constituents because our business was set up to really deal with our partners. And in going through this process, the number one thing I had to make sure is that we didn't, we didn't skip a beat with our partners because we have to deliver for them every single day. 
And to be frank, they don't really care that I'm doing an IPO. They want to make sure their customers are getting what they need. The process is working well. They have someone to connect with, and the teams are really focused. So we really spent a lot of time thinking through the organization and then ensuring that the people who are up against our clients every single day were 100% focused on the clients and delivering, and we put you know, teams in place behind the scene to really work through this whole, all the work that has to go into um, the IPO and separation. Did you did you worry at all about retention? Did you have to did you did you have to do a lot to keep people's morale up and focused? Well, you know, retention's I think something whether we were doing an IPO or not is important. But um, you know, I think one of the the things that um, I was lucky enough is I brought in a new HR leader who had gone through a couple of these, um, and he was really thoughtful in putting to play in place. Um, the right amount of retention and um, the the right um, confidence for our employees to feel very good. You know, I think one one is the senior leadership team is something you got to worry about. But I'll be frank, the people I was worried about. Um, you know, I, I use this example a lot, but we have a call center. We have a lot of call center folks who you know work extraordinarily hard. And in many cases, we might be the only employer in a particular area. You know, Canton, Ohio, we're a very big employer. You know, I had to worry not only about my leadership team, but really ensuring that the folks who are interacting with our customers every day also felt good about the process. So really putting in that level of communication and confidence. Because whenever they, whenever people, you know, hear that in in, uh, the uh, non-exempt workforce, they always worry, you know, about layoffs and things like that. And that really wasn't our intent at all. So really getting right out in front of that and ensuring that our employees feel really good about uh, where the company's going, and knowing that we depend on them for success as well as the senior team. You know, I, I love what you just said because, uh, you know, as you know, I was recently uh, at, at uh, your your headquarters, and I was struck when I walked in because you have a, a film running there of all the different teams across uh, your landscape, and so frequently you come into companies and they have, you know, the values up on the wall and the senior leadership team talking about one of the values and, you know, why the company's so great. But you had people who do the job every single day talking about the customer and you had customers talking about the value of Synchrony Financial. And frankly, it wasn't until the very end of the uh, sequence that you flashed the leadership team. I thought that was really brilliant. I'm sure that that was deliberate on your part. Absolutely. Was it? You know, yeah. We really operate at the level of our customers, and it's the folks who are out there every day on the, on the phones and in our back office really making sure everything goes smoothly for our customers because that's really where it all matters. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. So did you, did you have to spend a lot of time personally and with your leadership team out communicating uh, with, with the people in the field, or how did you do that? Yeah, we had, um, we've had, I mean, multiple levels of communication. Um, uh, you know, one of the things we really wanted to do is create, create a level of excitement that this, it, this really creates a new journey for the company. So, you know, we, uh, we, we've, we've engaged, we engaged the whole communication team. We made sure that our sites were all, as soon as we made the announcement, we had senior leadership in place in our sites to really talk about it. We made sure we had all the Q&As. We um, held multiple roundtables. Uh, we did a lot of web webinars and webcasts. Uh, I did a number of um, all-employee uh, meetings. I do that anyway every quarter, but we, we kind of beefed that up a bit to get out there a little more. And, again, once, once people feel confident that, 
you know, they're going to still have a job and they feel good about the company and things are moving in the right direction, then everything really settled down. And, yeah. uh, you know, I would say, you know, through the past year, and, you know, we are working hard to do the final separation out of GE, you know, just a tremendous amount of effort by everyone in the organization to really not skip a beat and get things done and move forward. Yeah. You know, I loved, uh, we're uh, the one minute till break, but um, I loved the comment that you made about the camaraderie and the importance of the board. And I have seen so many CEOs flame out because they could not build that camaraderie relationship with their board. Uh, I'm out here in Silicon Valley right now and actually ran into a situation where, um, you know, the board just fired one of the CEOs for exactly that reason. So why did you zero in that that was so important for you to have that real trusting relationship with your board? Well, you know, I think, I, I think it's interesting for me. I thought a lot about you, you don't ever really think about the comfort you get of working in a big company. Yeah. Right. So when you work in a big company, you might not like maybe the boss you work for or whatever, but there's lots of options for you. You can go to another business. You could take a different role within the company. But when you're leading the organization um, and, and the whole thought of just the safety and soundness of GE with, you know, people I've worked with that I could call up and say, hey, what do you think of this? Or I'm struggling with that. Or could you help me with this? You've done this before, whether it's, you know, former former leaders that I work for or peers of mine that, you know, I've become friends with over the years. You're now moving from that kind of safety net, if you will, to the, really being on your own. Yeah, <laughs> and one right. of the things that I thought was going to be important for not only me, but for my leadership team, because we've not done this before. It's not like there, and there's no book you can really read about, okay, now all of a sudden you're a public CEO or a public company. We knew, I knew it was important to get the right team who was really going to be guiding us. I mean, the board has a very critical role, particularly even more critical as we're in financial services and the role of the board is, you know, even, even more under scrutiny. I, I wanted to make sure I had people on the board that really I could relate with, the team could relate with, and people on the board who wanted the company to be successful and then last Margaret, week, that's great. And I'm going to uh, stop here because we're at break and uh, we're going to come back and we're going to continue that conversation. I'm talking with Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, of uh, uh, a uh, top financial organization in the United States and Canada. Stay with us. We're going to be talking about purpose and values and women in leadership. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. What is the Serve Hour? Well, to start, it's a different kind of listening experience. It's one that involves you. 
host Jim Blackburn and his engaging guests in some very provocative and opinion-shaping conversations you'll hear and be invited to participate in that will challenge traditional beliefs about management and today's workplace. Also, these conversations will help you look at yourself and your work differently. Make it your business to tune into Voice America Business for The Serve Hour, live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. It will shake you awake. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, the largest uh, private label retail credit card company, I believe, in the world. And uh, she was just talking about um, the IPO that they went through and the, the, the challenges and the, and the things that she needed to think about as a leader and her relationship with the board, how she leveraged the board, uh, which I think is such an important thing. Often leaders don't realize um, how important the board can be for for what for what they have to do, Margaret. I also noticed when you when I came in, and when I talked to you that you started out with a really powerful purpose statement, and that is up, um, and it's it's a great statement. And then you had a list of values. Why was that so important for you to do that? Well, you know, I think coming out of a company like GE, which really has an extraordinarily strong culture and set of values that I think have, have kind of, of course, changed over the years, but the foundation of it has always held true. I wanted to make sure that we thought about what do we want to stand for as a company, and more importantly, how do we take what we saw as the good things of GE, bring those forward, and then create our own vision and purpose for our company with values that resonate for what we believe in every single day. So I embarked on this very early in the IPO process. I felt it was very important that the organization rallied around and felt good about our our purpose and the values and looking at ways that they can really connect with those values. So so that's how we started out. We thought it was important. How did could could you could you state your value statement? It's such a simple uh, your purpose statement. It's such a simple statement, and uh, it just resonates. Sure, um, it, the purpose is we pioneer the future of financing, improving the success of every business we serve, 
and the quality of each life we touch. Yeah, I, I just love that. It's simple. So that's the first part is, you know, the innovation. You know, how can we be innovators in the area of uh, finance? You know, how can we improve the businesses of the people that we're working with? And how can we improve the personal lives of, of people that we engage with? And it's, it's an exciting statement. So how did you go about actually crafting that? What was the process that you used? Sure. So we, we did get help. Um, we, we did bring in um, an outside company to help us. But what I did is uh, we actually got the senior leadership team together for a two-and-a-half-day off-site to really begin the process. And uh, we came up with a framework of this, this purpose statement. It's not what ended up being finalist, but very close to this. And then we also came up with uh, the set of values that you saw. Uh, those changed slightly since then. And then we took that, and one of the things that I – said is, I, I, I think it's great that we as a leadership team came up with this, but we really have to go out and make sure the organization resonates with this. So we held a series, and I'm talking a series, of discussions across the organization at all levels of the organization um, to really go out and, and test to see if this resonated. Um, you know, one of the other things I, I should point out, before we even got to the meeting with my senior leadership team, I actually did talk to some of our top customers to get a feel from them on, you know, what are the things you like about GE and where we were as a business and what would you like to see from us going forward? So I did grab some of the thinking of, of our bigger partners, um, and that helped formulate what we, we did with the leadership team. And then, as I said, we took it out to the entire organization. And then the last thing we did is once we took it through the organization, we handed it off to a team of fairly senior leaders inside the organization who are actually – off at a leadership event at, at West Point, and we asked them to really refine it uh, and come out um, with what they thought the final uh, version of it should be. So um, that's really how we ended up with uh, the, the version that you see today. But it was an all-inclusive, you know, uh, top to bottom across, including customers, to get a sense of of how they uh, see these values. And I think the, the really interesting thing, which I was pretty proud of, is the values changed very little. I mean, it, it's mm. very interesting. People, we had a, 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 an everyone write in, and we've done this across the organization, of what these values mean to them. And it's really interesting to see how people really could take the values and apply them to what they do every day at Synchrony Financial. I think that's brilliant. I I absolutely love that. What I what I hear and what you're saying is that, you know, you took this is time consuming, and a lot of people don't want to take that time uh, to to really get that engagement around these elements, but they are so important, and making them live and making them be real for people right on the front line is is essential. How, how right, and you know, use, I would tell you that when we first tried to get the management team to sit in a room for two and a half days. <laughs> yeah, they, they screamed, right? They, they initially all didn't run in that room to want to do this. It was something that I, I just really felt strongly that in order for us to come out of the gate as a, a strong, highly valued company, having a value purpose and values we believe in were really important to us as, a, as an organization. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I can envision that whole thing actually. <laughs> so, so uh, how do you use the, the the purpose statement and the values in in sort of guiding the company every day? Yeah, so um, you know, I would tell you that we're we're still rolling them out. So we started the rollout process of uh, the, the the mission statement and the values in January. Um, we are asking our employees to 
um, do, we're doing fun things. We had a, a thing this week where we asked um, every one of our employees down to the exempt, uh, non-exempt level in our call centers to actually share photos of living the values. And uh, we have this uh, profile website that we've created inside the company, which any employee, it's kind of like a Facebook for work is the way I like to describe it. And people put on there what their favorite values are, what's the one that most resonates with them, and then different, um, you know, uh, little notes around those values as well as creating this profile of pictures of how people are living the values. And, you know, every quarter we have this uh, a, a week out of the quarter where we call engagement week, and we've been really going out and holding uh, seminars, roundtables. Uh, we've done a couple of uh, leadership uh, panels where our leaders, uh, not only the most senior but the next level, talk about what the values mean to them. Um, so we've been rolling rolling this out across the whole company and uh, in various, uh, I think, unique and fun ways, and I think it's really working uh, to really show how they're coming alive inside the company. Yeah, I, I, I just think that's so important because it makes it real for people because they're day-to-day real-life stories and real people talking about how it works. So, Margaret, I, when I started the show today, I talked a little bit about women in leadership roles. You are now the CEO of a Fortune 250 uh, company. And what is it? Why do you think we haven't made the strides for women in leadership that we had hoped to do 30 years ago when people and you and I were kind of pioneering all of that stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's still very frustrating when, when I look around. I, I can tell you that even for me um, in the role that I'm in today um, and as I go out, uh, it's like almost always often I'm the only woman in the room, uh, which yeah. is... is Shocking, actually, given to your point, all the things that we've done. You know, I think I think there are a couple of things. I think, you know, one of the things that I do a lot of and I believe in is really looking at how do we continue to help diverse individuals, whether it's a woman or any other type of diversity. But one of the things that stands out for me as I mentor women, um, there is still this incredible uh, view from women um, where they're afraid to really take the next big step. In other words, they think they're not ready for it. Um, I've even had conversations with women who have gotten the role, like gotten the big role, and come to me and almost say, I don't know how I got this big role. I don't think I should be in this big role. So there's this um, questioning that I think women do, which, to be honest, I've really been trying to understand myself uh, why that's happening, because I trying to think about what are things that we can do in an organization to make that not be the case. But I think, I think you mentioned there's, I think, certain biases where maybe there are subtle things that are happening in the environment that um, is not helping women. And, you know, one of the things I, and this is going to sound like a simple thing, but I, it's something I remember very, very uh, much for me. So when I started moving up the ranks inside of GE, and I started going to meetings with the chairman of GE, whether it was Jack or Jeff or whatever, whatever the big meeting was. My natural inclination was always to sit in the back row. Like it was just a natural, Interesting. Like, okay, I'm going to sit in the back row. And, you know, I was lucky enough to work for someone at the time who went out of his way. So it was someone who and said, come sit over here, sit next to me. And so it was almost like I was being accepted at the table, if you will. 
But yeah. I, I constantly look at that, and I always tell women, don't sit, you know, don't sit. I, like, if I could change things that I did in the past, listen, I made it to where I am, which was great. Maybe I would have made it sooner if I would have been a little more bolder as I was younger to, you know, take the seat at the table. And, and it's, it's a simple thing, but it's a very visual thing that I think pe- people could get, you know, their head around when you think about it. And so I always watch, like, who's sitting on the side, who's in the back, because someone helped me break that, that one barrier. And I think as you're moving up the ranks and you're in this new level, whatever level it is, you need someone in that room who's going to be friendly to you and help you along. And, and I think that's something all of us could do. And I just, I just do think women still question whether they should go for the big roles, are they ready for the big roles, um, versus, you know, I've never had, you know, honestly, I've never had a man come in and tell me I don't think I could do this role. Ever. I, I never have either, to tell you the truth, at all the interviewing <laughs> I've done. I've had a I've number done. of women question whether they can. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, we're going to be uh, going to break in about 30 seconds, but um, what one thing can uh, a leader do to really break that uh, female bias, do you think? I think it's it's demonstrating that they're supporting women, whatever way that means. If it means understanding they have two kids and it's a little harder for them to work till 10 at night or, but being, being thoughtful around maybe some of the different challenges women face as they're coming up the ranks and being, being very direct on helping them. Yeah, and that's that, that mindfulness about it, making it front and center and being mindful. And what I also hear you saying uh, be reflective and looking around and seeing how you can reach out and and sort of clear the path, so to speak. We're at break. Stay with us. I'm talking to Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial, largest uh, private label credit card company, Fortune 250 organization. We're going to be talking about women in leadership after break and culture and inclusion. Stay with us. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network dr linda sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success do you want to put the wow in your talent practices how about a spring in your leadership approaches coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great if you want a no-nonsense practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results contact linda today visit lindasharkey.com again that's lindasharkey.com is your business model robust enough in today's ever-changing business environment leaders are working to transform themselves and their business Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn, for insights on emerging trends and business innovations to help you stay ahead of the game. You'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. 
Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can tweet the show at hashtag I lead TLC we'd also love to hear from you by email the email address is radio at lindasharkey.com now back to I lead the leadership connection welcome back uh, I'm Linda Sharkey, uh, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and with me is Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial. And I just want to say, um, shortly, Synchrony Financial is going to be ranked. It is not yet ranked as a Fortune 250 company, but from everything that I can see, I think it certainly is going to end up being somewhere close to that. And and Margaret's MBA is from St. John's, not Columbia. I, I don't know why, Margaret, I, I had Columbia in my head. I'm I'm sorry about that. It's, but. The, New York, it's the New York connection, I think, Linda. <laughs> yes, the New York connection, absolutely. So we were talking about women in leadership, and um, what what one big area do you think, if you were going to say to a, a young woman starting up, and you have children, uh, you know, your, your, your daughter is... Um, you know, starting out in her own career and, you know, going to school, but she's going to be launching that in the near future and, and, and your son. What one big piece of advice do you have uh, for, for millennials who are starting up their careers? You know, I, I think it's really about standing out in the crowd. And uh, I, I use this, this story uh, of my daughter, and I don't think she'd be upset if I shared it. But, you know, my daughter's, uh, you know, working at uh, Rockefeller University in research. And, you know, her first uh, week on the on the job, um, you know, is kind of a transition. I guess they go through a transition where people are coming and going, and you know, she didn't really have direct um, direction on what she should be doing. So she texts me, and she's like, "I don't know what I should be doing. I'm sitting here." So I I know this is going to sound strange because it sounds like I'm being biased, but I'm not. I'm said, "Well, why don't you clean something? There must be something you can clean in that lab." And my daughter ended up. <laughs> taking my advice and cleaning out this refrigerator that apparently hadn't been cleaned out for quite a while. And guess what? The head of the lab noticed Katie had taken that initiative to do that on her own without anybody telling her. And, you know, it's, it has stuck with the head of the lab since that happened. And, you know, I think um, being able to stand out in a crowd, do the hard work, do the job, somebody else doesn't want to do. I use the refrigerator example, but you could do many things, you know. Uh, really really take an initiative um, and not just sitting and waiting. I think one of the challenges with uh, millennials, I think a little bit, is a lot of what, of how we brought them up is, was always very orchestrated. You know, every, every sport was orchestrated. Their play dates were orchestrated. And then we put them in the work environment, and if it's not as structured there, not always comfortable 
Um, so I think helping them just jump into something and, you know, getting right to it, I think, is an important, uh, important thing. You know, I think that standing out is such a, an important thing. As I reflect back on my own career, I started out in uh, a, an organization in Washington, D.C., and, you know, I didn't have to go. Every Saturday or, you know, once a month they had area director meetings on Saturdays. And I went to those meetings because I wanted to learn what the organization was all about. And that the the, the director was so impressed that I would take the time and the energy to do that. And I, I think that's really a great piece of advice. You know, Margaret, how important uh, is a culture? And you, you talked about values earlier, and values really do underpin a culture of an organization. How important do you think culture is to the success of an organization? Well, I'll tell you, I think culture is more important now than ever. And I think part of it has to do with, um, particularly for financial services, right? We've all come out of the crisis. It's been fairly traumatic for anyone who's been in financial services. And I think setting the right culture and environment inside the company is, is really critical. I think secondly, you know, as we look to attract talent, uh, and if you think about the 80 million millennials we now have, and that's the next generation of the workforce that's going to be leading our corporations, culture for them is, is extraordinarily in the forefront of how they think about where they want to work. And I think you need to have a company where it's welcoming it understands diversity and is very inclusive because that's how millennials think. Uh, and a culture where people feel like they can have a voice, a culture where f- people feel like they're contributing to whatever the end game of that company is, I think is extraordinarily important for uh, millennials. And I think at the end of the day, you know, people want to work in a place that they like to come to every day. And I think having that kind of open, inclusive, and diverse culture really just attracts talent, retains talent, um, and, and allows people to feel good about what they're doing every single day. Yeah, and how do you, how do you monitor the culture? Because it's, you know, it's one thing to say, this is what we want, this is our aspiration. How do you ensure that you maintain that kind of culture? You know, I think part of it is uh, looking around at your own. You got, it starts at the top, first of all. Leadership on yeah. a culture, from a culture, it has to start at the top. And you know, I think what what I have to do is look at my leaders, and I look at there. There are pretty simple things you can look at. The first is, you know, are they attracting talent? Do people want to come and work for that person? Are they retaining talent? Are they spending the time they need to uh, with their with their organizations? You know, I look I look at if I'm meeting with, let's say, their team. Do they let the people on their team talk, or are they the ones trying to take all the glory? There are really simple things you can look at to say, okay, is this culture working the way you want? Um, And I think, I have to say, I think the culture here at Synchrony is pretty, pretty deep all the way through that. And we, you know, we've just hired a thousand people from the outside to come in and help us build out our organization. And, you know, I do. I, I spent time about around that. I said, how are we going to integrate a thousand people into our culture? How do we make sure they fit our culture? And we've been doing uh, a whole bunch of workshops with them. And for the more senior folks we brought in, I actually do a dinner with, I've done a dinner with all of them. And interestingly enough, the top thing that comes out of the dinner is people tell me how great the culture is from other oh, That's companies. exciting. That's exciting. You do know, I mean, the, the research says, especially when you're hiring uh, senior leadership people into an organization, that cultural fit 
is the biggest thing that will cause a leader to flame out. Yeah, um, I, I totally believe that. Yeah, that they just can't adjust to the new culture. But all people aspire to are these great kind of places where they can work. So what three things and pieces of advice uh, do you have for leaders going forward? Well, I, you know, I think I think uh, there there are three there are three things. I think first, I think you have to create an inclusive an inclusive environment. Uh, I think people really look for that as they're looking to uh, move on in their career. They want to feel like they're working in a, an environment that one really values their diverse thought. That is a culture where people are going to listen to them and where they feel like they have skin in the game. The second is, I think, innovation. No matter what industry you're in today, the, the fast pace of innovation and technology, and I happen to be in a space where it's moving extraordinarily fast, uh, you need to be investing there. You need to be aware of what's happening in your industry. You need to be on top of your game when it comes to innovation and technology. And, you know, the last is you really have to be open to understand that great ideas can come from anywhere in the organization, and you need to create a form inside the company that you're able to get those voices heard uh, because, you know, I think, um, you know, in our organization, for instance, where we have a number of uh, call center reps, people out on the front lines, they're, they're dealing with our customers every single day, and we have something called um, a customer experience council where I meet and my senior team meet every month, and we go through what's working and not working in our call centers from a customer perspective, we listen to calls. You know, we listen yeah. to customer calls. And we look to really drive ideas from the sites. We have something called the Site Experience Council where we ask the folks on the front line what could we be doing better. And, you know, we have, I think, something, I think 400 ideas that we're working on right now. So, you know, you could really change uh, your culture by really ensuring you're letting everyone have a voice in how the company is really uh, driving itself. Yeah. what It's so interesting because obviously you've created this open and transparent environment that people are willing to tell you. I mean, there are places where people won't tell you uh, what's going on for fear of recrimination. How did you create that level of openness? Well, you know, I think one of the funny things for my team is they know I started out in the call center. So I know more than they do many times. So <laughs> I, I, I remember when I was a call center rep and there were things I didn't like and would like to have changed but didn't have a voice. So, you know, I just have great respect for what's happening there. And I think the most important thing in all of this is you have to act upon the ideas. So people have to not, you know, if you're just collecting a bunch of ideas and not doing anything with them, you know, then people are just going to say, forget it. They don't really want them. But if you're creating a process around capturing ideas, executing on ideas, rewarding people for those ideas, uh, saying that was great. You know, for instance, when I listen to phone calls that the reps do a great job, we automatically give them some rewards and really compliment them, even sometimes when it's a a difficult call. So just having respect and value for every single employee in the organization, I think, uh, is really important. Yeah, that is really important. Respect is a key uh, underlying value. Um, We are at break. Um, Stay with us. I'm talking to Margaret Keene, the CEO of Synchrony Financial, largest private label credit card company, one of the largest. And um, 
We will be back. Uh, there is a question from uh, our audience who has emailed in. Uh, so stay with us, Margaret, because uh, someone has a, a question for you. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back after break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen for new episodes every month on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead. The Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead. The Leadership Connection. Hi. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and I'm talking with Margaret Keene. It's so exciting to have a great uh, woman CEO who can be an example, really a shining example for all of us. So, Margaret, a a question came in. It came in from Lisa from Silicon Valley. And what she wanted to know, you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on in Silicon Valley, in particular uh, around women in in, in leadership and the disparities between uh, around women. What she wants to know is how did you gain the confidence to be at the top and to get to the top? Well, I'd say there there are a couple of things. I said one one would be my dad. My dad was a big influence in my life. He he passed away when I was younger, but really pushed me to really think that I could do anything I wanted. And I think having that 
support. I was the first in my family to go to college, and he really supported that. Um, so I'd say he was a great influence. I think the second, and this is really important for anybody, I don't think this is just a woman thing, uh, I think really having people who sponsor you and support you along the way. And, you know, one of the things I always talk about is, in my organization, you know, how do we, how do we get the gems out of our organization? Because someone gave me a chance and pulled me along. How do we make sure we're pulling along diversity um, and, and looking at that one, two, three, four, five, whatever people that are out there that are just something about them makes them a little bit of a gem, and we take more, more of a chance on them. So I feel like I've been extraordinarily lucky to... Um, have a lot of sponsorship in my career where people took me from one role to the next and helped me along um, in the organization. I'd say the other thing that um, is true of GE, and I, I do think this is a, a special part of GE as I work through the company, uh, you know, we have a women's network. Uh, it was made up of uh, a, a number of senior women. We've launched that same type of network, and networks, actually. We have a, multi- a number of them. But I think getting... Um, Working with other women who uh, have similar roles and can really become confident and help you gain your confidence and share stories about um, how you could help each other, and then more importantly, actually taking action and helping each other. You know, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of opportunity today, and and one where women can do a lot more to help women. Um, and I think that's something I value. I feel like I was helped. I'm making sure I help other women, and I think each of us can can play a role there. Yeah. You know, thank you so much, Margaret. That was just a, a great answer, and thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. And I want to point out that um, Margaret is going to be on again uh, in the uh, end of August, and we're having Margaret back on because she's done, uh, we started out with the purpose statement to, in, in, in the beginning, and and um She's done some really incredible work around innovation and particularly innovation in financial services where people might say, this is not really where you'd look for a hotbed of, of innovation. So Margaret is going to be back with us in, uh, in early August. And thank you so much for joining today, Margaret. It was great. Thank you, Linda. Have a great day. Yes, you too. Have a great rest of your day. So as we end this segment today, I, I, I want to point out a couple of sort of gems that jumped out for me uh, in the discussion of Margaret. And, and that's the notion of really having a strong purpose. And I've, I've done a lot of segments on purpose in the past. And while it's important for an organization to have purpose, I also say it's important for a leader. What is your purpose? And what are you trying to achieve through your leadership role? This is a significant uh, question that I think is often difficult to answer but important to answer. Because if you don't see your purpose as helping others, as pulling others along, and as Margaret said, you know, how do you find those gems out of out there? How do you find them in your organization? And how do you take a chance on them? And how do you extend a helping hand to help pull them up and help them achieve their dreams? You know, I've always said that leadership is a privilege. It's not a role. It's not an assignment. It's a privilege. And thinking about how you can help others and how you can change the world one person at a time is really a significant factor. We're going to be talking about other to other leaders uh, coming up, the uh, CEO of uh, GenPAC um, and uh, others. 
And I think that you're going to hear from their stories that what makes them really unique as what made, Mar- makes Margaret unique is that caring and respect for others. You know, no matter where I go around in the world, uh, people, I ask people, what do you want from work? And, you know, it doesn't matter what country they're from, uh, what political persuasion they have, what color they are, what ethnic background they are. They all want respect. They all want a chance to fulfill their dreams. They all want a career where they can make a difference. Now, it may look different in other places, but at the heart and at the core, we are all really very much the same. So I'm excited to say I'm going to be going to South Africa in, uh, in uh, August, and I'm going to be addressing a congregation of um, Anglican leaders and bishops. And we're going to be talking about how you can make that difference in the world and how you can lead so that you really are helping others and finding that gem, that gem, and moving that gem forward. Because we all had a helping hand, and it's our responsibility to help others. So thanks so much for being with me, uh, and I look forward to having you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. We'll be right back.